0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Bondi day it is. It is bucketing rain, and uh, I hope you can hear it really clearly. I wish I could put uh, sound <laughs> uh, and smell through an, a podcast. Unfortunately, I can't, but I'll get close to it. Um, so I'm not on the beach doing my podcast day. I'm here on my balcony enjoying the sounds and the smells and the, the flavours of this refreshing rain. Guys, um, I'm going to go over something we've probably talked about before, but anybody new to the podcast has probably not had the privilege of hearing um, some of these sort of generic questions that get asked of us all the time answered from a universal law's perspective. So the first question uh, I want to answer uh, is, what's the difference between management and leadership? Now, you might remember uh, a story <coughs> that i told about taking four entrepreneurs up into the Himalayas. When uh, uh, we, we left, they started asking me all sorts of questions. Uh, and on the first day, I I answered every question that they could possibly have for me. Where are we going? Why are we going there? Where are we staying? What's the dangers ahead? What's the problem ahead? What's uh, uh, what, what's the map? What's the plan? Where are where are the danger points? Uh, what should they look out for? And in 24 hours, these or entrepreneurs relieved me of my leadership. In a sense, uh, I and 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 they basically knew where they were going into the future. And I felt really uh, disabled uh, in a sense as a leader because I had no function. And it was an interesting paradigm because what I was left with was management. What do you want for breakfast? Uh, How are your shoes? How do you feel? What's going on for you today? And of course, you can subcontract management, but you can't subcontract leadership. Uh, Leadership is the future, and management is the present. So I got my Sherpa, who is with me, Ah. who I'd hired to come on the trip, and Sherpas are amazing people. They don't care. Leadership management, for them, it's just one big happy day. So I got the Sherpa to to uh, lead their manager uh, and they were happy to have him along everywhere they went. And I just walked along behind. Now, because it confronted me so much, this whole idea of being a follower rather than a leader, uh, I was tempted from time to time to come up with things that would cause me to be a good leader. Uh, I thought about changing the trail ahead and saying, I've changed my mind, we're going on a different way. And therefore, putting them in a state of need for my guidance, uh, I thought about uh, inventing some potential dangers, like a weather pattern that was coming through, and then creating for them a dependency on me, and therefore putting myself back in power. I didn't do those things, uh, although I've got to tell you, it was an arm wrestle for me because I, I was just completely disempowered as a leader. But then I came to realise something, that uh, I couldn't walk away from the four of them because something still could go wrong. Something still could happen. Uh, but so my it, it, so I had to reframe the definition of leadership, And the way I looked at it was leadership from behind. Leadership from behind is where you're there. You don't do much. Subcontract management because a leader can't be a good manager and a manager can't be a good leader. Uh, In your business or your personal life, the doctor is the manager. Uh, Your uh, shopkeeper nearby is a manager your school is a manager, they're managing things. They're doing things on a daily basis to manage. And if you're spending all your time managing uh, your kids or your partner or yourself, you're not leading. So we quite often fill our spare time with management, thinking that it's doing us a favour, but actually dropping down into the role of manager, in a sense, prohibits us from being a good leader. So that's why we have routines and systems and that's why I was able to tell these guys what's gonna happen for the next uh, 10 days of an adventure into the Himalayas because I, I was I, I knew it all and I knew what was gonna happen. I'd done the trip 47 times. Uh, so uh, if I dropped into the role of manager um, and spend all my time doing that, that might fill up my day, make me feel good about being me. But that prohibited me, in a sense, from turning up as a leader. And a leader has to focus on the vision. And so I walked behind these people. I hired management to feed them and make sure that everything was fine. I was never far away. But I focused more on the What's the purpose of being in the Himalayas? And I, I focused more on <clears throat> being inspired by the mission of the trip, the vision of the trip, the, the big picture of the trip, the Himalayas, their spiritual importance. Uh, uh, and I kept myself very much engaged, uh, even though it was non-verbal for them, very much engaged in being inspired by being there and knowing that they will be enjoying the uh, benefits of that inspiration, uh, whether they hear it from me or the mountains. And that is the space and the difference between leadership and management. A lot of leaders try to manage and lead, and that becomes a huge problem. And that uh, is where we talk often about organized, supervised, deputies. Organised, supervised, deputise takes things that are variable and turns them into systems. And the systems must be, let's say, uh, you organise something uh, so, so it's repetitive. You help somebody do it, you organise it, so it's repetitive. You then supervise one person doing it so that they become really good at it, and then you hand it over, you deputise it. Now, whether people do what you've said for them to do or not, it depends on how well you've organized and supervised it. If you watch one person do it and they do it really well and then you take your hands off and they do it really well again, you've organized and supervised it really well. And then you can deputize it. But if you deputize it, people don't do it. You haven't organized and supervised it well enough. And so handing over repetitive uh, management tasks if you haven't got a person to do it we go into the process of organized, supervised, deputizing. That's a really important key because that's nature. Nature does anything it does twice, it becomes a system in nature. So right now it's raining. Well it rains a lot. So this process of rain and, and the water coming and the ocean and, and it's it's a system. And we don't need God, God's intervention. <laughs> Or the universe's intervention for rain to happen it's part of nature it's been organized supervised deputized it's natural and so uh, and we understand it as so uh, um, so there are many things that we hold on to um, as leaders that in our family and our work that are really things that we should organize supervise, deputize, and hand away as uh, from uh, as management because while we do both We won't get the respect we need to be a good leader. That's the first thing I wanted to say about to talk about today. The second one is uh, the person with the greatest what leads? The person with the greatest certainty. Now, the person with the greatest certainty leads. Certainty is the spirit. So let's be really clear. Certainty does not come from anything known. So if you say it's green, and I'm absolutely certain it's green, that's called the known. And you can't be certain it's green because everyone's eyes sees green different. Nobody really knows what your eyes see and what my eyes see when we see green. We just assume that green is green and we we become quite certain that's green. As I've just said, their brain takes light and transmits it to a receptor which has a memory, compares that thing that it's recepted to the memory and calls it green. And therefore, we really don't know if all of us see green the same. So, anything materialized, anything uh, emotionalized, cannot have certainty attached to it. If you say, I am absolutely certain I'm calm, you're not. You're not. You just think you're calm, and that uh, that is really important, to think what you think and own your thinking and call that, let's say, emotional balance or emotional intelligence. But you can't have certainty about emotions. You cannot. In fact, the only certainty you ever get is when you don't have emotions. So the concept of emotional intelligence is really important to manage yourself and manage your reaction to things in life. But Beyond emotion, which is the top of the pyramid in our cone of consciousness, and beyond the top of the pyramid, beyond love. And that's hard for people to comprehend. Beyond love, there is something. There's the spirit. And the spirit's not in the body. The soul it cannot be in, in the body because the soul is not subject to space-time. So the soul has to be out of space. And so when we say, I have certainty, and we... C- it's when we connect to our soul, which is not in space-time, therefore it has clean goals, therefore we are not in the real in the real tangible world. We have certainty of our vision. Now, that doesn't mean everybody else will have certainty of our vision, but the more certainty you have of your vision, uh, the more you will be followed. And having certainty of vision is being able to, in a sense, Uh, trust the unknown. And this is an exercise that we go through quite extensively in doing the discard forms and the uh, emotional shower forms to get out of mind, to allow the mind to take a holiday, or the ego to take a holiday and step into the unknown and get vision from there. So that's the second part. The size of your vision will determine respect. your leadership. So the person with the biggest vision leads. The person with the biggest vision leads. Now if I if you say I'm going to change my neighborhood then you have to have an understanding at an emotional level of what is, uh, let's say, what goes on outside the neighborhood. So. If you say I want to change my family, you have to have a, a, a certain understanding, see balance in the, the paradox that exists outside your family because your family doesn't exist in a bubble. And so to have a, a vision of changing something, you need to have an awareness or what we say consciousness bigger than the thing you want to change. So your consciousness has to be bigger than you than uh, the thing you want to change so if you have a global uh, vision as it were if you have a global vision you need a universal awareness if you have a, a, a national vision i want to change my country you have to have a global awareness so in a global awareness consciousness we're looking for balance in the world in order to be able to participate in a national vision so very often we get sucked down into uh, whether the cat we ran over yesterday in the street was good or bad, and yet we want to have a global vision. And uh, these things that suck us down into um, uh, polarity and trying to find balance in it make our vision ridiculously impractical. So if I said, I want to have a global vision, but I'm being caught up by whether it's raining in Bondi or not, or whether it's uh, good or bad to have uh, uh, cars parked on the street, there's no way that my thinking can align with my vision. And people will, by the, uh, people will understand where you're at with your vision, because they will they will hear what you talk about out of balance. So if you say, "Oh, I have a global vision of changing the world," and you get they go, "Oh, wow! I'm really." I'm really inspired by your vision, Chris. And then I go, yeah, and black cars in Bondi parked in the street are really bad in the rain. And you go, well, there seems to be a disconnection between what you say is your vision and what you worry about in your mission. Mm. And so your consciousness, which determines what you will talk about with your friends and family and everybody else, you know, will compete with each other to, for, for, for credit. And and I think that's a really important thing um, to realise that when we work on your consciousness, when we work on what inspires you and what you think about you and bring about, you, we're working um, we're working to make your your vision authentic. So I hope that piece of the jigsaw puzzle. The next piece of this I wanted to talk about was to talk about what are the, what are the keys to success in business? And how, how are the opposite to those keys to success in business, the keys to a great relationship? Well, let's put it through. Number one key to success in in business is a vision, vision of the future. In other words, where are you taking me? You can bring that vision home and say, where am I taking this family? That's a wonderful thing. And so at one end of the spectrum, the far end of each pole of the spectrum, the vision uh, uh, vision or inspiration and purpose can transmit across in a family and across inner a business. But let's just now step into the next realm of this and say, high expectation uh, at work means that you set a high standard. High expectation at home destroys relationship. And in business, you set goals, and the current operation of the business is not as important as the goal you've set. In other words, you're always trying to change, improve things. At home, you can set goals, but the current operation of the family has to be more valuable than the goal. The next one is business is about growth and change but if you bring that home family is not about growth and change, family is about loving people and validating people for who they are as they are. The next one is in business we uh, in a sense um, uh, on a daily <coughs> daily basis interact with other people based on an, an, an agreed uh, uh, paradigm of transformation what we're trying to do is always move things towards an end game. so we've got output and productivity and results of our day uh, and that's a really important part of being in a, in a, in a successful in the business world but in a family the paradigm is to is the opposite is to basically value this moment in time and uh, show people that they don't need to change to be loved so You can see that sometimes the things that we get taught at work, setting goals and being ambitious and all these things, if we bring that shit home uh, and we start being successful and we start bringing that shit home, we don't switch the switch to the complete opposite when we get home. Uh, We can actually sabotage our home life. And it goes vice versa. If you learn that being in the moment at home and being... Uh, accepting uh, people through the and grateful what you've got and all these things at home. If you take all that shit to work mm-hmm. and start running that script, uh, you're going to end up sitting on your hands a little bit uh, in a state of uh, nirvana or contentment. And you won't keep pace with the changing growth rate of the business. Uh, both of these two things are polar opposites. What What they do is they give you a chance to be a whole person and human beings, we are holistic and we have diverse aspects to ourselves, multiple personalities and trying to clone ourselves into one authentic personality that operates in the same way at work at home is a little bit mundane and actually it's not the way it's meant to be. We should be not uh, disrespectful of the multiple facets of our character. We need heroes um, in the world. And that's the last thing I wanted to say here today. We need heroes in the world. Um, It's a big mistake to make those heroes people uh, that we know well. And the reason is that any time we put up on a pedestal somebody we know well, it means we don't know them well. Because there's two sides to everybody. And every character trait we call positive in someone we know has the, firstly the opposite character trait in the same person and secondly it has negative consequences. So if we said, for example, this person uh, was, had integrity, we're not knowing them. We're not knowing that person because integrity and lack of integrity go hand in hand in the same human being. There cannot be a person on earth who has integrity without lack of integrity. The thing about that person is they bring their integrity to work and they may lack integrity in their, I don't know, spiritual work or their uh, social work or in their financial work or in their relationship or in their friendships or in their mental game. Uh, In other words, they might tell people they really like them, but they don't or whatever. But everybody has the the duality of uh, a person we admire exists, whether we like that or to admit that or not. And it may not exist in our frame. In other words, we may set them up on a pedestal in the frame of knowing them as a friend or in the frame of knowing them at work. even inside that frame, uh, there will be a downside to their positive quality and and an upside to their negative quality. And uh, uh, this is a really important ingredient of uh, rising up toward the top of the cone in your operation as a leader, because if you look at the cone of consciousness, you'll see the gap between the left side and the right side is huge at the bottom. So if you said, I'm gonna put integrity on the left, because I've got to be I've got to copy that person, I've got to have integrity. If you swing all the way to the right, there's a very big gap between the emotional position you've taken to the left hand side, I've got to have that, to gotta not have the lack of integrity. And that's called stress. That's an internal, subconscious, subliminal stress that you'll put yourself under. But if you go up to the top of the cone and you say, I I, uh, I I operate at the top of the cone. the gap between the left side and the right side isn't too far and therefore you'll say, well, integrity is a good thing, and lack of integrity happens. So it won't be so uh, driven, I think is the word, toward that word. You'll just embrace integrity and the lack of integrity is just, well, it happens. and. And so the more you get to the top, the less you will hero-worship people you know. And the more you will feel uh, connected to that person as a, as a, as a, as a good uh, human uh, bond. To that rain pushing in now. Wow. It is bracketing out here. Anyway, um, so what we're trying to do, what we often do then, is to have heroes that are a long way away. Uh, even uh, cartoon character heroes, where you can, uh, and in and, 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 and that's why uh, Jesus and Muhammad and uh, Buddha and all these people who are no longer in body are the perfect <laughs> heroes because they're not here to be proven any different and all the stories are one-sided about them. Um, but comparing yourself to another human being and saying, that's my hero and putting them up on a pedestal has a really serious uh, downside, because you'd be so critical uh, comparing yourself to them, uh, then in reality, that person uh, had two sides just like you. All right, this is Chris. Have a beautiful day. Bye for now.